You're listening to PoePolitikin.com. We got you stuck. Got you stuck off the realness. Poolpolitikin.com. Make sure you subscribe, like the Facebook page at Poolpolitikin.com. I'm not politic with my homie, MMA legend Shoney Carter. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Just doing a wardrobe check. Right. Um, you know, on all the training since I'm fighting again. I don't know how to retire, and I'm gonna be running and hitting the bag today with um, in company of heaven. One, uh, Miss Gia Berdician, the sandwich maker, a uh, girlfriend. <laughs> you may have seen her on uh, Where Are They Now? She did a cameo. She got to do another one. <laughs> right there. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> how are you? <laughs> All right. Yeah. For, for any of the listeners, you know, you've been in MMA for over 20 years now. So just give them a little bit about your background. Let them give them the, uh, the Ooh, resume. Me. Where do I start? Good Lord. <laughs> U.S. Marine, three black belts, four Hall of Fame inductions in martial arts, Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, 14 world titles, seven national titles, eight city titles, I think nine state titles. Uh, UFC, before it was cool, let's see, uh, Class 100 of the UFC, first 100 fighters. Um Ultimate Fighter 4, Spinning Backfist, 96 Olympic Trials for Greco-Roman Wrestling, Collegiate All-American Wrestler. Good grief, man, this resume getting long. I'm the training director for LA Fitness in Rogers Park. Come see me for a complimentary training session. I teach every May at Chicago Fitness Center. Uh, you know, I, I sneeze on boats and make them sail. I open up books, I tell them a tale. I went fishing in a bucket with a shoestring and I pulled out a whale. I walked to a forest and I told a tree to leave. I whispered in the ear of an angel and I made it believe. I made it, I made the devil cry because I could tell him to grieve. Uh, so you just I went make medicine feel better. So you just went through a lot of accomplishments. So which one are you most proud of? Like if you had to rank them. If I had to rank them, I say the most Honored, highest esteemed privilege of placement is being a father of three children, Samirian Andreas, Kevin Osiris, and Sierra Renee, who's married. Uh, she's 23, got married at 22, my boys are 15 and 11. Happy birthday, uh, Kevin. Happy belated birthday. Well, not belated, because I knew it was his birthday. My, my oldest boy, you know, I'm just waiting for NBA 2K17 to come out, so... I can give him his gift. Okay. And how was your time in the military? You were in the military six years, right? In the military. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing. I wish they would take me back or let me become a cop. I actually, well, you know, the stupid is I'm too old to be a cop, and I see a fat 20-something-year-old cop who can't even pull his gun out of his holster or run up the block. You know, he can't wear a 
you gotta get a customized bulletproof vest. That's ridiculous. And then I'm, I'm you, I'm pretty sure you started in martial arts in your childhood. So who are some of your influences? Oh man, you know what's crazy? My biggest influence was my mother's father, Joe Carter. Then it would be Muhammad Ali. I won't lie. It wasn't even what he did in the ring, which was amazing. It was what he stood for outside the ring and what he did. And you bring it up, you know, it brings a tear to my eye because I didn't get a chance to meet him or go to the, the memorial service. But the sad, crazy part is I meet more people that can tell me stories about how they interacted with Muhammad Ali. I know a stripper. They did a picture with Muhammad Ali, and she don't even train. And that made me mad. I'm like, a damn stripper? Uh, really? And her name was Mercedes. And she took a picture with him just to show it off to me. I'm like, I hate you. I'm still friends with you, but I hate you. How do you feel about uh, Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick, piece of shit. I'll tell, I'll, and I hope he ever walk up on me. Because honestly, people who've lived and died and fought for our country, and how you going to say you feel oppressed, motherfucker? You got an eight to nine digit bank account. You don't know shit about oppression. Never you have. Because you went to college. And most broke motherfucking black folks don't get to go to college. You want to go to college to get a chance to do a job that they love doing. Most motherfuckers get a job and have to do a job to pay the rent. The lights, the gas, the child support, the water bill, the car note, the insurance, and medical expenses. All of his knots have been met and been met. Because he ain't got no knots because he, he does not need any more money. He does not need to be in the foot NFL no more. Because there are people who have turned down NFL fucking careers who went to the military. One of them even died in combat. And Colin Kaepernick, you piece of shit. I don't give a fuck who offended by this. But you don't feel you can like, meet uh, me at 4208 West Dickens, Chicago, Illinois. You don't feel like Ali did the same thing, though? Ali, that was a religious belief. And honestly, Muhammad Ali said it right. No Vietnamese ever called him nigger. And honestly, the fact is, is that Muhammad Ali even spoke not once but twice at a Klan rally talking about peace and solidarity between all of the races. He gave up his net. He gave up his titles to stand for something that he believes in. Colin will go pop a fucking bottle and not salute the flag, but wearing fucking Levi Strauss jeans that are made in America by an American. Don't tell me he he believes in oppression when you're getting paid millions of dollars for a job that you love. It infuriates me. No matter what and how fucked up our country is, I'm not going to say it's the best, but at least you got the right to do what you want to do and go buy a Starbucks coffee at 2 in the morning, go buy some toilet paper at 3 in the morning, and read about what you did at 6 in the morning with a newspaper and drive your car without anybody pulling you over because you live in that neighborhood that they don't call you, nigga. They say, Mr. Kaepernick. I'm going to call you Mr. P.O.S. Piece of shit. Because if I'm a multimillionaire and if somebody says they got anything to say to me, only you can say is you can't call me broke. And literally, that's how I feel about it. And I will take these shades off because of my blood pressure up and I've been taking pre-workout. There's no way ever. Because I've been to these countries. I've, I've seen more countries on invitation. On invitation. 
These motherfuckers like Floyd Mayweather and Colin Kaepernick, and I'm not knocking Floyd. But what I'm saying is you got these multimillionaire black athletes that they will say anything and stand for nothing. That is bullshit because one day they're going to fall for something. And that's what something's been said a long time. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And if you don't stand for the fact that you are in one of the greatest countries on earth, because I'm not going to say it's the best, because we don't lead the world in anything other than incarceration mm-hmm. of minorities. We are 13th or 16th in the world education level. Norway has freedom. Sweden has freedom. Canada has freedom. There are many countries who have democratic or Socratic or even socialism. The fact is, the the world, the cultures are paid for and taken care of by the citizens for the citizens. And for somebody who's been taken care of and put in a position of authority and to be exemplified as a professional athlete and to be personified as great who want to shit on a place where drop his punk ass off in fucking Syria and try to play a game of football and make a few million dollars. They'll kidnap you. Hmm. And the fact is that you got people who Converge upon the very premise, the very notion that he's being oppressed, or I'm oppressed. Motherfucker, you got a platform on social media that says you are not oppressed. Take your punk ass in North Korea and find out how what real oppression is. Take your ass to Egypt when you can't go get shit paid for a, a glass of Kool-Aid or Starbucks coffee. Well, go to Tokyo where uh, Apple costs $5. Go to Russia and see if you can just order a steak. And go to the United Arab Emirates where your means is, is one-third less or two-thirds less than what it really is. Mm. I'm sorry. I just cannot understand how you can sit there and say people have lived and died and struggled to give you the right to say what you're saying. You feel oppressed. Back in the day, black folks had to march to Montgomery, Alabama. Now motherfuckers want something they can march to Montgomery Wards where they can order it on Amazon where there are people who live in an Amazon forest who don't have a doctor to take care of them. Hmm. I would say so. Uh, That's how I feel. now off of the toolbox. And you was talking about earlier, like, you started at the very beginning of UFC, the, when they were saying it was barbaric, then you was an ultimate fighter before it actually took off. So yep. just describe, like, how you feel about the, I guess, evolution of MMA. I really am amazed about how things have transformed it's there's a bunch of good as far as paydays and sponsorships there's a bunch of corruption in the purity of what it was intended to be pushed HD net or the UFC.com the, the, the monarchy of MMA and they make a shitload of money off of the blood sweat and tears of the athletes who want to be having their 15 to 29 minutes of fame, um, once you get to that point of understanding the business of MMA, it'll make you better. I love the fact that there's a certain amount of notoriety that the A-list celebrities, even they're in amazement of what we do and can still do what we do and hang out and party. And then there are lesser athletes and other sports Sports that make a lot more money than we do, and what other MMA athletes do, you know, I mean, it's, it is amazing to me that 
this is one industry that they know for the most part they will never be, I don't think, anytime soon, if at all, will be a union. Because, like most things, there will always be a, a backwoods, hillbilly-ass scab, piece of ass at a bar to say you got a medal or a belt, which the very premise of title belts, I guess I've greatly exaggerated upon accomplishment, but the very thought process, the idea of a championship or a world championship has been prostituted and bastardized because you can't name enough champions who walk around with belts. I've seen people get a title belt for weightlifting, and that's I think that's a, a, a travesty. Hmm. But here, you know, even the job I'm at, they, I went to, they were proposing about whoever had sold the most personal training get a, a, a championship belt. And yes, it was not me that won the title belt. Not that I cared that much about it, but I mean, other than collecting a paycheck. My girl is telling me about the, the bulge in my sweats. It looks like my junk is up. I got, I got wrist wraps and a mouthpiece in the frack in the wrong spot. So that's what I'm moving about. But, I mean, I like, I love it. I mean, the things I hate is that, you know, now MMA has crossed over to WWE. WWE has crossed over into MMA. On the personal side, yeah. The professional side is great because it means more money, more opportunities for movies, more entertainment value and in dollars. Um, I do giggle about the WWE guys trying to go into MMA and well, we know how that has been going as of lately. Yeah. I'm not tripping, but I'm just saying. Yeah, but uh, I guess like if you look at the early UFC too, it was always kind of that. It was like you had how, like you had the kickboxer against the karate dude, the big ass Samoan, yeah. and the little dude. So it was kind of like that at first, and they went away from it. It did, and you know what? Honestly, I do laugh because I think about those days and the premise of. Judo versus karate, you know, and kickboxing versus karate, kung fu versus Muay Thai, mm -hmm. and judo versus Greco-Roman wrestling, or jiu-jitsu versus judo, you know, I laugh because even the days of the last great style versus style matchups, which was absolute brevity, was James Tony versus Randy Couture, right. and we all know how well that went. And I giggle because I've cross-trained exclusively in each of the disciplines. As far as getting in the ring and boxing with a guy who never shot a double leg. Or wrestling in college. I actually used to be a registered amateur boxer. You know, and I've done amateur kickboxing, professional kickboxing. Which I have, I can't count how many fights I have. I got a shitload. But... I mean, the idea of that style of training, I'm a purist, I appreciate it, do I miss it? Yes. The entire grind of practicing the hurt business, you know, it's, it's a different type of mental fortitude, and you have to be willing to take an ass whooping to practice on how to give an ass whooping. And anybody that says that they're truly undefeated, I'm like, no, you lying. Because the first, you, you took a whooping somewhere down the line before <laughs> yeah. you got interested. You got an ass whooping. Yeah. 
And if they tell me no, I'm wrong, I say, well, I guess your mom or daddy never whooped that ass. Well, maybe modern days because parents put their kids on timeout. And then Not I'm, mine. So if you had, like, let's say, boxing, MMA, and football, which sport do you think yeah. is the most dangerous? Of all of them, I'd probably say football. Because, uh-huh. I mean, if you run across the corner across the middle and you jump your happy ass up in the air, they're floating strong safety, see your ass adrift. Well, you better hope your feet land before he get there. And even the quarterback, he can shake one fucking defensive lineman, then all of a sudden, he comes that offshoot ass, uh, other uh, free safety, pow, knocked your dick outdoors. <laughs> but, and honestly, I mean, MMA is mano y mano, you and me. I mean, the potential for injury is there. Boxing, you know, yeah, they have a lot of concussive, uh, re- well, excuse me, reoccurring concussions because the head is the primary target. And, and speaking of that, like, for instance, I was uh, sparring, what was that? What was that you got mad at me about, Lily? Early. Was that the day before yesterday? I'm talking to a girl. Anyway, it was like a day or two ago. And I, went, actually, I actually went to the gym. G and I should have a reality show, I swear. But, uh, so I left out the house anyway, and I went to the gym to go spar. Trans- oh, like seven in the morning. Yeah, six, six, seven in the morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she was hot with me, but I said, fuck that, because I'm the one going to China to get fucked up. So, literally, I show up, and the guy, and my buddy, he has this big Magilla Gorilla-looking Frankenstein, you know, Huggy Bear-looking ass dude. So, he was, like, manhandling everybody, so I said, well, well I'll go in there with him. And they were like, ah, are you sure? I'm like, fuck that. And so the first thing to come out this jabroni's mouth, we don't need a headgear or nothing, do we? And I'm like, the fuck? We go out to get into a cage. You the fuck? All right, whatever. So I was, you know, I'm, I'm OG. So I jump in the cage, and I'm, you know, I'm just moving. Let me see it. Let me test his venom size feet move. The first thing this big Magilla gorilla, six foot, four and a half, 245 pound jabroni, he does a jump flying cross. Like, Really, motherfucker, if you're going to throw us a flying Superman punch at me, I'm a South. <laughs> I ain't seen so many, so I roll and slip, and then it actually landed, but it grazed off my right ear. I'm like, this motherfucker. And he got them old ass, uh, uh, they weren't Cleo Reds, them higher boosters. Them higher boosters hit like Cleo Reds. I'm like, this motherfucker. And he had his cute little white gloves on, you know. I'm always jealous of guys with new equipment. My shit over. I got ringside. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> my shit is old school. Like, no, was it Everlast? It was that Muhammad Ali Everlast club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm wearing the OG shit. I got tap out shorts on. Fuck y'all. And some of the guys, I move around a little bit. And he kept whip- whipping his punches. He kicked me and he, run- he rushed up against the fence. I'm like, all right, motherfucker. I'm going to wiggle out. But I couldn't move. So I said, fuck this. Let me go to where I do my do best. I, I got him in a Greco Roman bed hood. And I gave him squeezing on the bottom of them rib cages. And he collapsed. I said, uh huh. Get up. That's why I, I took, I sucked a little bit of that, that testosterone out of that wind out of him. Mm-hmm. That's, his ribs, he was, he was pitching his elbow, his, his elbow up against his rib cage, saying, I'm going to get his ass. So literally, I, I 
I picked my right elbow up, and I knew he was going to fall for it. I knew it. He threw a fucking kick, and I stepped inside the kick. Bang! That short right hook off the southpaw lead. Hit him right in the body. Shack up! And it made that, you know, that, 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 that gadget motherfucker punch <laughs> that, 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 that flap on Batman and Robin, where he goes, F-W-A-P-P, exclamation point, 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 point. It went, flap! He took a knee, like, oh! I got, I got, it was wrong. You fuck, you gotta take a shit? Yeah! Uh, let me out. I said, no, we gotta finger hold that. <laughs> I, I made him finish the round. Uh, I, I can't throw punches. Well, I'm gonna kick the shit out of your leg till you figure out how to punch. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he was beating up on you know juniors. Yeah, I was. Well, I I purposely kept kicking him in the leg on that where I hit him at side. You hurting in the thigh and you hurting on that on that on that sweet meat right there. Then he finally he went out to the bathroom. He didn't come back for a hot fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew he didn't puke. It was only one five-minute round. Uh-huh. So I knew he was t- taking that painful sit-down shit because I knew why I hit him. And <laughs> I said, you, you come back, you all right? Uh, I'm okay now. I just want to, I said, I know, you just want to drill now, don't you? You want to play like. He said, what was that? I said, that was, I said yeah, that was, a, that was a sweet meat punch. That was a lead, lead right hook. He said, I ain't never been hit like that before. I said, no, I'm, you know, you don't remember me. He's like, no. I said, I'm Shoney Carter. I used to train you when Chris was going to Belize. He's like, oh, my God. I didn't recognize you. I know. I know. <laughs> you wanted to kickbox? I told you. I said, I will just play light. And that was, that was the funniest shit. Oh, I love that shit. When I, when I drop people, it's funny. Training I'll hit him in the head. I, I'm, I'm, I'm that Chavez. I'm going to the body. I'm that black Marciano. You say you got a fight coming up? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm fighting out in, uh, just outside of Shanghai, China, October 30th. And the Chinese are trying to kidnap me for a month, but I got a court date on the 19th and 20th. So I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Oh, and, oh, and the pink-haired girlfriend don't want me to be gone for a month, and she's Romanian, and I don't know if I can take her to China because... They're kidnapped a chick in China. She got pink hair and pink nails and shit. And we know you, you fought in MMA and kickboxing. So how how different is it, or is it? In the, I mean, I know as far as like the ground game, but like how much other difference is it? Well, the biggest thing was kickboxing, international rules, American style, which is above the waist only. The footwork is faster with international rules. In my opinion, um, I won't lie to you. It's the kickers in kickboxing versus the kickers in MMA. It's like Monday and Friday. Mm. I mean, like, I remember years ago when I would laugh at a motherfucker kicking me in the leg. I'm like, really? I'm like, bro, you don't know how to kick. And... Like, when people thought I invented that spinning back fist, I giggled about that because the motherfuckers have been getting knocked out by that for years. Mm-hmm. And striking, like, when I, when I go do just boxing, like, okay, here's a bit more of a pedigree slip. I tra- I used to train with David Diaz, who lost to Manny Pacquiao in the ninth round. Now, yeah, he lost, 
but he made nine rounds right. with Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. And I would do like five to seven rounds with David, which I hated. That little motherfucker was fast. <laughs> and it hurt. And finally, when I got to a point where I could, you know, lose a split decision on sparring to David, I asked him after the fight. I said, hey, is he that motherfucking fast? He's hot. He said, I thought Freddie Roach was in the fucking ring with him hitting me. I'm like, damn. And I mean, shit. I mean, I, used to, I remember sparring with uh, Dean Thomas, who used to spar with Winky Wright. I, I fought Chris Lytle twice, who was 17-1 and one as a pro boxer, and didn't give a shit about Dean. I mean, I respect Dean. I wasn't scared of him. I, would, I mean, I went toe-to-toe with Chris Lights out Lytle and didn't want to scare him. And we all cool. But damn it, man. When you go up against a pure stylist, and then you do what they do, and they do only, you better have your shit together. And Which leads into, like, when Conor McGregor was talking shit about when he was dumb. I'm sorry. He was dumb. Because if, honestly, yeah, he's made more money than me and you and everybody else we know. But once I'd have heard Floyd Mayweather offer me $50 million, they would have had to sue me for $49 million. Because that, my black ass would have been in the ring that evening with Floyd. Because $50 million, son? Really? And then, then Conor was talking shit to Saul Canelo Alvarez. No, motherfucker. That ain't what you want. Did you watch mm-hmm. the Diaz fights with him? Dude, you know, honestly, I was really pissed off at Nate, and I hope he don't get too mad at me, but fuck it. Because I'm in Chicago. Uh-oh, 15%. <laughs> on the battery. <laughs> but uh, it looked like Connor got tired and Nate was hurt. Or he didn't train right because he was jabbing to the body. And I'm like, who the fuck jabs to the body? I mean, if I flick a jab to the body and hit you, I'm not going to keep doing it. They're just going to tell me I'm faster than you. And he didn't even bother taking him down. It was I said, something was up with both of them. But I mean, I ain't mad at Nate. Because they both made about 15 and a half and $16 million each. I wish a motherfucker would ask me to fight after that. I'll have a motherfucker come and slap the shit Because they made a quarter million dollars on the after party. I read them pay out some money. And then Reebok paid them a chunk. Boy, they better not ever let my happy-go-skippy ass up in that UFC cage again. Because if I ever have to talk shit, boy, they thought Connor talk shit. I got a reserve chest that I won't even use with you on talking shit. They're going to be like this motherfucker. I'm saying, so who would you say your toughest opponent was? Oh, hell. Who is my... I, you know, honestly, I got so much respect for them. There's, I want to say it's about four or five of them. This was a motherfucker. Because they, they did not induct Dave Monet mm-hmm. into the UFC Hall of Fame. He's the first middleweight UFC champion. And, uh, well, first or second, was it Murillo Bustamante or Dave Monet? I forget which one it was. But Dave Monet, I fought twice. Um, then there was Jorge Oliveira, I fought in the WEC. Then there was Kumia Kunyoku and Pancras. And who was, was that other guy? It was, that was three. Pat Militich, the first fight in the ballpark, in the boxing ring in Davenport, Iowa. That's four. And I remember I did a street fight 
in the Mexican nightclub. I fought this guy for 45 fucking minutes. And I mean, I was punching and kicking this dude. And like, I'm glad I did cardio. Because this motherfucker, I would drop him and step back. You know, if they was playing possum, that motherfucker kept getting up. I'm like, they actually stopped the fight, not because I TKO'd him or he hurt me. The fucking lights came on in the club and the sun was coming out. We were, we started fighting at like 4.30 in the morning. It was a Mexican nightclub on the uh, on the north uh, east side of Chicago. And um, literally, we had to get out of the Jewels parking lot with all the cars. They would take over the, you know, I mean, you go to the club, they, yeah. they take over parking lot. And literally, the, the sun was up when I walked out the club. And I remember tiptoeing my ass to the car. I actually drive a Chevy Impala SS. And the current vampire sandwich maker used to hate that car. But here and there, the car was like $76 a week on gas. That's why I got rid of it. But, uh, okay, the girlfriend, excuse me, she told me to stop calling her a sandwich maker. There she is again with the pink hair. Gotta mess with her. I, be th I throw her under the bus. I, you wonder why I'm good at Greco Roman? I practice on her. Throwing her under the bus, uh, but anyway, I it was those. I mean, I had some some damn fights that people don't even know about that I've got. And I'm always I'm putting out a bounty on getting my getting my fight for it's just my fight. If anybody want a bootleg copy, any fight that they know that I may not have, you can call me at this seven uh, three one two nine three seven seven five six nine, and you can get my address to mail it right to me, and I'll send you something back. 4208 West Dickens Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, apartment 1 East 60639. That's Shoney Carter. Attention to. I ain't never home. But, <laughs> but literally, Gia will be there. She'll sign for the UPS. Just tell the dude don't get slick with because she's kind of salty all the time. When If you ring the doorbell before 9 a.m. So what but, advice? Uh, now there's some badass fights. What advice would you give to any aspiring MMA artists, MMA fighters? Okay, this, what I'm going to tell you, first and foremost, philosophically, professionally, and personally, train harder today than you do. They train harder today than you did yesterday. Train harder tomorrow than you did today. And be greedy. Take every motherfucking dime you can get from every motherfucking promoter because they ain't shit. They're going to kick you out once they're done with you. Take every dollar, dime, belt, every piece of bit you can get. I'm not saying chase every skirt because it may not be worth it. Because honestly, if you go and mess around at the after party and tip off with some little a slip, some some slip penny freak, this is what I need for you to realize. If you get your money in cash or check or a belt or a trophy or a medal, put that shit away, put it in the closet, put it under your bed in the middle of the mattress. Before you go to the club and try to bring her back to the room at the after party. Because you will get robbed. Never happened to me, but I'm just telling you. Because I've heard it happen to other fighters. Literally, don't ever keep your money out. Put your money away and invest it. Flip that shit. Make some money. Make make every dollar make sense. Because ain't nobody running that lap like you. You can have a training partner. You can have a girlfriend or a wife. The girlfriend or wife, they can sit there and support you. The boyfriend can sit there and support you. And I mean the women as well as the men. Take that advice. I don't care if you are Ronda, Ronda Rousey and you want to have sex before your fight. Or 
whatever. But listen, to, make that money make sense. Do not, do not be dumb with your money. Invest it, flip it, take every dollar you can from every sponsor. A sponsor is not a t-shirt giver. You can make a t-shirt. If they don't give you a t-shirt, make sure there's a check attached to the shirt. Man, I got so much advice I can tell them. Make trading cards and sell them shits for a dollar each. You can get a thousand printed for a hundred, sell each card for five dollars, get tack on an extra five for your autograph. And then you made ten dollars on a one dollar card. You do the math. I was saying they yeah. also they did a piece on in HBO a little while ago about MMA. Like you got a lot of like uh I don't know, kind of like like crime and stuff. If you remember, like War Machine, all that stuff. Like, what you yeah, his about? punk ass. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I I hold no no love for him, no respect for him at all. First of all, I'm gonna keep like I've been doing right now. I've been doing, and whether it's a man or a woman. If you decide to hook up with dirt, you're going to get dirt. If you And in his case, he knows the girl was a fucking porn star. Huh. <laughs> uh, come on, man. Tito knew Jenna Jameson was a porn star. Yeah, they, they, were, they were swingers. What the fuck ever. It is no reason to get mad over a piece of pussy or a dick. Because pussy ain't platinum and dick ain't made of diamonds. And guess what? But you put them both together, you get something valuable. And the way I look at it is that if if, she, if you walk in the house and catch her fucking another dude, if you that grimy, motherfucker, jump in. Stick a hole and get it in where you fit it in. But make sure it's hers. You know? I mean, and if a girl walks in and sees this, and then she know he's a porn star, he's a gigolo, jump in. It's an opportunity. I mean, it's the honest to God truth. I just saw a video about a guy walking up on a married couple, and this guy offered a hundred thousand dollars for his wife, and it was it was real. This guy popped up on a briefcase with a hundred thousand in cash, and he said, "Can I have your wife for one night? If I get a hundred thousand dollars." First, he said thirty. That's what it was. It was thirty, and she was like, uh, "And I knew." Then he started discussing it. I'm like, "See, this is a good deal right here," and literally, they said, "No, no, no." They said, "Okay." I'm going to add another thing. They bought $100,000 in cash to this dude. And then they both went and talked real deep and everything. And the next thing you know, he said, yeah. And then he was like, well, Shawnee, that's fucked up. I said, no, it's not. Because she wins no matter what the fuck the case is. Because chances are that dude who gave up 100000 got at least a million in the bank. And not as, I didn't say one million. I said, at least... One million, because he had a hundred thousand to spend, and didn't give a fuck about it. Subsequently, if she decides to stay with him, she's with a multi-millionaire. Now, if he dumps her off, or she decides she don't want to be with him, she loves her husband. She wants to go back. They just made a hundred thousand dollars for an indiscretion. Now, if she decides to stay with that multi-millionaire, he's got the house, he's got everything. He takes and liquidates all them shits and moves the fuck on. Either way, they both win. Is that right? No. Is it ethically correct? No. But the way I look at it, if a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand, if a hundred thousand can separate you from me and me from you, it wasn't meant to be. Huh. And, and and honestly, when I see 
guys like War Machine who whooped on a porn star. What the fuck is that? And then, and even before that, the motherfucker had actually Ken. Sh he's lucky Ken Shamrock didn't catch his ass because most motherfuckers didn't know. And Ken told me this. I don't give a fuck if Ken told me not to say nothing. I don't remember if he said, but you know what? I had forty-two concussions. <laughs> Literally, War Machine had actually went across state lines with his sister or his, or his daughter. His daughter. And I don't know what happened. I don't remember what Ken said, but Ken was not really happy about the outcome. That's all I'm going to say because that's all I remember. No, no. Uh, no, no, no. Ken, I'm talking to Gia. No, uh, War Machine had tipped off with Ken Shamrock's daughter. And he lucky that Ken didn't catch him because Ken would have killed him. So we're Literally, Ken would have killed him. So we was kind of talking about this. You mentioned this earlier a little bit. So like yeah. when people talk about like uh, fixed fights in MMA. You think that's that goes? Yeah, down? I remember. You think that goes down or because they was even talking about the I, Kimbo Slice and the Ken Shamrock fight. They was talking about man that. that bullshit. You know what? That had to be the most worked ass bullshit between. I, I don't think uh, Bellator. <laughs> I I I think that was between them. Well, I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck if a motherfucker bench 1,000 pounds. And I'm the world's most dangerous man. I get your back, you belly flat. I'm choking a fucking booger out your nose. There's no fucking way that Kimbo was supposed to, be able to get the fuck up. And I'm sorry, God rest his soul. He's in heaven, I hope. But there's no way in the shit you don't tell me that he was able to get up and then knock him out. No fucking way. Those are them two old dudes. There's two young guys, okay, I can see. Heavyweights are not that athletic. Let's just call it what it is. Two older heavyweights, and I get your back, and then all of a sudden, I can get my arm around your neck and can't finish a choke out? Motherfucker, you were doing red-naked chokes in Japan. Uh -huh. And you're going to tell, tell me that you couldn't muster up a, a red-naked choke. Get the fuck out of here. I remember... Back in the day when I was offered a fat envelope. And I was too tough. I'm sorry. My Marine, U.S. Marine Corps ego. And coming from the west side of Chicago. You know. I'm sorry. And then that just that, that proud black man pride. I couldn't. I tried. This motherfucker. I mean. I fought this Japanese wrestler. I can't remember the motherfucking name. Literally. The motherfucker was so horrible. And, yeah, okay, I wrestle, I try for the Olympics, and blah, blah, blah. But, God damn, man. He pushed me up against the, up against the turnbuckle. During, during the round, people, you know, people would call him a name. Shawnee Kakata! <laughs> and, literally, I was waving to people during the round. Up against the turnbuckle, he couldn't do shit. He was clinching, pushing into the turnbuckle. I'm not going to try to fight off the turnbuckle. Why should I waste my energy pushing back against him? That's the martial arts. I mean, no, don't push what's pushing you. You circumvent, you, you find the path of least resistance. So I said, don't push. He didn't want to push it. Fuck it. I'm waving to this little girl. Her name was Nico. She got to be about 20-some years old by now because that was back in Pancrase. And literally, I told my training partner at the time, don't you dare open that motherfucking envelope unless she don't want us to make it home. And he was like, what? I said, don't open the envelope in front of everybody. Because he was the daughter got the order, you do it all four corners. 
looking at re recreating the moment. Literally, after the fight, that was, that was when Masakatsu Fanaki had fought uh, uh, Henzo Grayson. It was a hit, not Henzo, Hickson, excuse me. It was Hickson Gracie. And that was the retirement match for Masakatsu Fanaki. I remember that now. And that was, I, I think that was the last time Hickson fought, if I had to guess. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Unless I'm wrong. So I can correct me if I'm wrong. But literally, that was the last time I fought for Pancrase. Then I fought for Shudo. And I asked Clown, the number seven or nine ranked guy in Shudo, and they never brought me back. But I met the new president of Pancrase, and hopefully I can get back over there. Oh, your kids come over today? Oh. She just needs a bedtime. Oh. Okay, I will now go to editing my. Vernacular, because there's a young lady in the room. There's something going on, but nothing major. So what but, is, I would say, what would you like yeah, to say to your, uh, all your fans, people been supporting your career so far? Well, I'd like to thank all of the believers and the non-believers. I, I, I held the belief and the believers in me to be steadfast and true. Those who didn't believe in me, I'm glad that I now made you a believer. For those who used to hate on me, hate me, I'm glad you showed up. Because whether if you love me or hate me, believe in me or not, at least you showed up. And I put money, I put butts in the seat, money in the pocket, and money in mine. I appreciate the efforts of all the training partners and opponents, winning or losing. Because honestly, this is one of the world's greatest events in sports. You take the purest form of mono-e-mono conflict and put nothing in between the two but an opportunity to see who's best. Man versus man. It's not a team sport. It is a team sport, but it's an individualized speciality of martial arts endeavor. I've been a proud, proud participant. I don't know if... I don't think I'm going to retire. I, it's, it's, it's fortunate, but unfortunate, because there are a lot of people who say, I should have been retired. And yes, I've been on the negative side of the, the, the wrong side of the decision so a lot more. But the thing is, I don't look at it as a loss. Look at it as a learned moment. If this anything, I'm building a, a beacon of inspiration because it's not just for kids or adults. It's for all because it's literally showing people that you can do anything that you put your mind to. And that's what I'm doing. I'm 44 years old, and I'm putting my mind to something, I'm going to do it. All right, man. All right? Say thank you for coming through politics with me. My pleasure. Anytime. i got to plug my phone in. The battery about to die. <laughs> right on time. Yeah.